I got a brand new sweetie, better than the one before. Oh, she's got everything and a little bit more. Hello, friends, and welcome to another mini episode of Additional History Headlines You Probably Missed. I'm your host, Tiffany Clark, and you're listening to the podcast where I usually pick a famous day in history and then tell you what else was happening around the country and world on the exact same day. Except these mini-episodes follow a different rule. They don't necessarily coincide with any famous date. And that's okay. Today's episode title and date is May 25th, 1935. It's just one day of many that the person I'm going to talk about stood out from the crowd in an astonishing way. I considered using this person's achievements as a famous date in one of my full episodes, but I wanted to tell his whole story and not just a brief overview. He deserves his own episode. The main headline I chose comes from the Portsmouth Daily Times out of Ohio. It says, Jesse Owens, Ohio State star, shatters cluster of world marks. Jesse Owens was born on September 12, 1913, in Oakville, Alabama. His father was a sharecropper there in Alabama, and his grandparents had been enslaved. For someone who eventually became a great athlete, Jesse was actually a very frail child. He seemed to always be fighting pneumonia and bronchial congestion. According to Biography.com, despite Jesse's almost constant illnesses, he still had to keep helping with the farm chores. All hands were needed to keep things running. By the time he was seven, Jesse was expected to bale a hundred bales of cotton a day. He went to school in a one-room schoolhouse. Then, when Jesse was nine, his family moved from Alabama to Ohio. Obviously, that brought about many changes in his life, not the least of which was a completely different school life. But Jesse stepped up to the changes. He attended East Technical High School, where he was a nationally ranked sprinter. He ended up setting records in the 100-yard dash, the 200-yard dash, and the long jump while in high school. Now, while I was doing research for this podcast episode, I learned something new about Jesse Owens. His real name wasn't Jesse. It was actually James Cleveland Owens, and he went by J.C., his initials, when he was younger. When his family moved to Ohio, he had a southern accent that his teachers couldn't quite understand. One teacher asked for his name, and Jesse repeated that it was J.C. The teacher misunderstood and thought he said Jesse. The name stuck, and that's pretty much what he was known as for the rest of his life. But Jesse wasn't the only nickname he would end up with. After graduating from high school, he got accepted into and enrolled at Ohio State University, becoming part of their track and field team. His dominance of the sport didn't stop in high school, and he just kept getting better and better in college. While there, he was known as the Buckeye Bullet. Earlier, I said that today's episode date is May 25, 1935. That day was the day of the Big Ten Championship, something Jesse had been looking forward to and I'm sure most people expected him to do well at. Except there was a problem. You see, a few days before the big meet, Jesse fell down the stairs at his dorm and injured his back. He insisted he'd be okay to run, but when the team got to Ann Arbor, Michigan for the championship meet, 
Jesse was in such bad shape he had to have help to even climb out of the car, and he could barely bend over. He took a really hot bath for about half an hour to loosen everything up. His coach, worried, tried to convince him to sit the meat out. But Jesse didn't want to hear it, and he insisted he'd be fine to compete. First up was the 100-yard dash. As Jesse lined up, he said his pain suddenly lessened. When he crossed the finish line 9.4 seconds later, he'd tied the world record. As a side note, according to Sports Illustrated, more than half the timers clocked him at 9.3 seconds, but the rules state that they have to take the slowest time recorded. Otherwise, he would have set the record. Because Jesse was competing in so many events that day, he had to rush from one to the other. In order to be everywhere he needed to be, he only had time to make one long jump attempt. He jumped and soared through the air, landing at 8.13 meters, becoming the first man to ever cross the 8-meter mark. Ten minutes after setting a world record, a record that stood for 25 years, by the way, Jesse ran the 220-yard dash. Other countries ran 200 meters rather than the 220 yards like the U.S. did, so both times were clocked, and Jesse set records in both of them. All of this so far is absolutely amazing, but he still didn't have time to dwell on it because, again, he only had a few minutes before it was time for the 220-yard and 200-meter hurdles. Just like in all of his other events that day, Jesse left the other competition in the dust, setting two more world records. When everything was said and done, Jesse had set five new world records and equaled another record in less than an hour. Jesse's performance on May 25, 1935, has become known as the greatest 45 minutes in sports history. Sports wasn't the only thing making Jesse happy, though. While he was attending Ohio State University, he met Minnie Ruth Solomon and fell madly in love with her. They soon married, and before long, they added a daughter to their family. But Jesse wasn't done showcasing his speed just yet. With so many world records with his name on them, Jesse was looking forward to competing in the 1936 Olympics in Berlin. That is, if the United States even participated. Years before, Berlin had been awarded the chance to host the Olympics to help give them a boost from what had happened during World War I. However, during the time between the awarding of the Olympics and the time of the actual event, Adolf Hitler came to power, and we all know how that ended up. The United States was seriously considering boycotting those games, but ultimately decided to go even though some individual athletes did drop out in protest. Hitler threw a lot of money into the games and made them a huge affair. He wanted to showcase the Aryan athletes of his country and excluded all the non-Aryans, like those who were Jewish, part Jewish, and gypsy. Those athletes weren't allowed in the sports facilities to practice and couldn't even be a part of the different athletic associations. Knowing what Hitler was doing, he started to get a lot of pressure from other countries attending the Olympics not to exclude people based on race or religion. He finally caved and allowed one Jewish athlete to be on the German team. It was a blonde fencer named Helene Mayer. When athletes arrived for the opening of the games, the city and stadiums were filled with Olympic banners and swastikas. But Germany hid the things they knew would be controversial, like anti-Jewish signs that usually hung around town. And they agreed that Jewish athletes from other countries wouldn't be subjected to their strict laws during the time of the Olympics. Many of the spectators from foreign countries 
said they had a nice time and didn't feel like they were overly subjected to the Nazi propaganda. Jesse didn't let the political problems get in his way of competing, and he rose to the challenge. His first event was the 100-meter dash, an event that leaves the winner with bragging rights of being the fastest person in the world. He took off down the track, as he'd done many times before, and won the race, tying the world record of 10.3 seconds. He then ran the 200-meter race and set another new world record. But he wasn't done yet. Next up was the long jump. At first, Jesse struggled to get in his stride, but eventually he found it and set a world record in that event, too. Along the way, he developed a friendship with the German long jumper, Luz Long, who was expected to win the gold medal for Germany. Luz came in second to Jesse's world record. He and Jesse remained friendly with each other and even walked around the stadium arm in arm after receiving the gold and silver medals. In my mind, watching the footage of that moment truly shows what the Olympics should be about. With three gold medals to his name, Jesse thought he was done and could sit back and enjoy the rest of the games while cheering on his U.S. teammates. But the U.S. sprinting coach suddenly announced that Jesse and the silver medalist for the 100 meters, Ralph Metcalf, would be running the 4x100-meter relay in place of Sam Stoller and Marty Glickman. Jesse's relay team won, and he added a fourth gold medal to his collection. So, why was there a sudden change in the relay lineup? Was it so Jesse could get more medals? Was it to keep him in the spotlight a little bit longer? Or was there another, more disappointing reason? You see, the two men, Sam and Marty, who had been training and were ready to run, were the only two Jewish athletes on the American team. Although nothing was ever proven, all these years later, it's believed that Sam Stoller and Marty Glickman were pulled from the team for political reasons. Hitler hated blacks, but he hated Jews more. Was it a way of appeasing him? We'll never know for sure. And that brings us to one of the other controversial moments of the Berlin Games. It's tradition for a country's leaders to greet and congratulate all the athletes, even if they're not from that leader's own country. But Hitler didn't want to be photographed with non-Aryan athletes. After greeting a few winners, Hitler left the stadium without acknowledging Jesse Owens. Many newspapers all over were sure to point out the incident in their papers the next day. For example, the San Francisco Examiner's headline from August 5, 1936 says, Hitler snubs Owens at winner's stand. Because of the slight, Hitler got pressured to either greet all of the athletes or not to greet any of them. He chose to stop greeting them altogether, although there are reports he still privately met with the German athletes. Today there is still debate over whether or not it was an intentional snub. It's believed that Hitler made the decision to stop greeting athletes the day before Jesse won. Either way, Jesse handled it graciously and respectfully. So, after bringing home four gold medals for the United States at the Olympics, did Jesse come home to the hero's welcome he deserved? Sadly, he did not. And to me, this is probably the most disturbing part of Jesse Owens' entire life story. You see, the President of the United States usually invites the top winning athletes of the Olympics to the White House to congratulate them. Franklin D. Roosevelt did not do that. Jesse is quoted as saying, When I came back to my native country, after all the stories about Hitler, I couldn't ride in the front of the bus. I had to go to the back door. I couldn't live where I wanted. I wasn't invited to shake hands with Hitler. 
but I wasn't invited to the White House to shake hands with the president either. He also said that soon after the 1936 Games, he was invited to a ticker tape parade and celebration in his honor at New York's Waldorf Astoria Hotel. But, being black, he couldn't take the regular elevator, and instead had to go up in the freight elevator to get to his own celebration. The country wanted to cheer for Jesse, but they wouldn't give him equal rights. After the Olympics, Jesse retired from amateur competition and instead used his talents to earn money. He started running races against other things, like horses, motorbikes, cars, and even trucks. Sometimes he'd raced against local stars, giving them 10 or 20 yard head starts, and then he still beat them. He even toured with the Harlem Globetrotters for a while during the 1940s. At different times in his life, Jesse worked as a gas station attendant, a playground janitor, and the manager of a dry cleaners. He once said, People thought it was degrading for an Olympic champion to race against a horse, but what was I supposed to do? I had four gold medals, but you can't eat four gold medals. As years passed, Jesse started getting paid to give speeches and became known as a great orator and making a lot of money doing it. Finally, 40 years after his astounding Berlin Olympics performance, he got some of the recognition he deserved. In 1976, President Gerald Ford awarded him the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Then, in 1979, President Jimmy Carter gave him a Living Legend Award. In 1990, George H.W. Bush posthumously awarded him the Congressional Gold Medal. Jesse was a heavy smoker for much of his life, and it finally caught up to him. He died of lung cancer on March 31, 1980, just before the United States boycotted the Moscow Olympics, a move he opposed. He left behind his wife and three daughters and a legacy as one of the greatest athletes of all time. Friends, I hope you enjoyed learning about the life of Jesse Owens today. I could only share a portion of the things I learned during my research, but he was a man well worth admiring. Join me on Monday for another full episode of this podcast, where our famous day will be one that is very dear to my heart. Talk to you later.